But uh, we're continuing this series called uh, Lighten Up. So uh, basically, we want to tell you, you need to lighten up. Y'all too, too tight, too, too serious right now. Like church is, uh, doesn't have to be all serious, like stuck up people, right? Um, and I don't feel like that's our church. But the idea is from this book called The Burden is Light. And we're taking these, uh, these concepts, these ideas. And today we're talking about complacency versus passion. And I'll tell you, this last week, I was able, I've been taking these little mini vacations, like two-day vacations, a few of them this summer, and it's been awesome. And so this past week, we loaded up our kids and we went to the beach uh, down in Pacifica. And so we were down there just having a great time. And, uh, and then I, just, I had this great idea as we were going down there. There is a surf shop not too far away. Now, I have surfed one other time in my life, and I decided, like, hey, I think I should give this a try. I, like, hung out with the kids, was playing with them, and I was like, you know what? It's time for some me time. I'm going to, and I'm going to invest $40 and rent a wetsuit and rent a surfboard, and I'm going to go do this thing, right? And uh, so I did it, and um, I rented the surf, and it was, by the way, so I know it was a Christian surf shop, just just plugging them. I don't know. There's the surf shop by Pacifica, whatever it's called. Um, but, uh, but here's my experience with that. I went out like pretty, pretty confident. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm at least going to get up on one wave. Like that was my goal. I'm going to do this and like accomplish what you're supposed to do while surfing, which is like have fun. I did not have fun. I'm just going to tell you the end result at the beginning. It was a very bad experience for me. And here's what happened. I was going out and then first of all, my arms were so tired because I dug this massive hole for the kids to play in. And like you're, all you're doing is your arms when you're trying to paddle out. So I was just paddling out and then a wave would take me back to the exact same spot. I paddle out and the wave would take me even further back than I was. And then I was getting so discouraged. My arms were even t- more tired, so I was slowly, like after like 10 minutes, I, I traveled like five feet from the shore. I look back, I'm like, I got this down. I'm like, all my family's just like watching me. Like every time I turn back, they're just like, like, do you need, do you need us to call somebody? Like it, w- it was bad. And finally, I just mustered up the strength and energy just to paddle out and pass by the waves that were pushing out to where you're supposed to actually catch a wave. And then I saw this this actual surfer dude out there, and I like started like talking to him, like, what's up, bro? And he's just like, dude, what do you, no. And uh, anyways, we started going, I started like trying to catch waves. Like I almost caught one, all right? And um, then I was like, okay, I'm going to try to catch, actually catch one and stand up. That was my goal, like to actually catch a wave and stand up. And I figured my dad was actually a surfer, like a hippie surfer, long hair, all the, all the way. But I was like, maybe that'll just pass down just transcend and it all have my dad's surfing skills through through the genes somehow and it didn't work because I tried to do it and I was I was actually ended up um, there was beach and then to the right was rocks beach rocks big rocks and so I started going out and then before I knew it all of a sudden the waves had drifted me over to the right and I was like oh no I need to get out of here and literally my wife had a video of it she because she was like, I'm going to get you on camera, babe. You're going to be so excited. And she got me on camera, like epically failing because I was trying to trying to get out past the wave. And I watched it in replay because I was like, how did this even happen? And what happened was I was paddling out and then this wave hit just the right time. I didn't know this was a thing that was possible for waves to do. I don't surf a lot, apparently. But this is what happened. I was paddling out and then the wa- I was on my belly and then the wave literally turned me did a 180 and I started flying with the wave 
full speed like I meant to do this. And there was this tourist couple like up on the rocks like clapping for me and I'm like, no, don't clap, I'm about to die. Call, call the Coast Guard, call Jack Bauer. I don't know who you're supposed to call. Call somebody because I'm about to die because I'm headed straight for these rocks. Like I was genuinely, and for probably the, for the first time in a very long time, I was genuinely fearful of my life because these rocks were, or these waves were smashing in to the rocks. Now, thankfully, the wave dropped me off before the, the rocks, and I had, was able to put my feet on the ground before the waves started really coming up because the tide was coming up, and they were starting to, to crash, and I like, wasn't able to get around, so my only option was to climb with the surfboard the most awkwardly way, and this couple still just kind of like staring at me like tourists, like, oh, look, this is like what a native does. I'm like, no, stop, like, call somebody. I need help, and um, I legit... Like, okay, so here's what, I, I got back, and I was just like, just sat down, and didn't want to say anything, and then my sister-in-law, who didn't see what happened, came back, and was like, oh, how was surfing? I was like, almost died, and she's like, okay, and didn't say anything after that, and so here's why I tell you that story. It was very fearful, like, I did not have a good experience, but at the least, I got a sermon story out of it, so that's how I look at it. Here's, what it's, here's where it's coming, you guys track it with me is that we can so easily drift into a spot of danger. And I believe it was just a wake-up call that came from me all of a sudden. I was just trying to just focus on moving forward. I was focused on what was next in front of me. I was focused on getting, a, getting up and, and surfing. But what had happened is I had drifted into a point of danger. And then all of a sudden I had a wake-up wake up call. That wave hit me. I turned around and it was sending me right for the rocks. And I believe today I was praying. I feel like God wants me to give someone today a wake-up call who is in danger. And I don't feel like it's the danger that most of you would assume. It's not a physical danger. And Today we're talking about passion and complacency, and let me give you the definition of uh, passion and complacency. Is a passion is this? It's an intense emotion compelling action. An intense emotion compelling action. But complacency is self satisfaction, self satisfaction, especially accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. See, here's what I believe: a lot of us are in danger. Not even of ruining our life, but many of us, because of complacency, are in danger of wasting our life. Because we've, been, we've drifted. Maybe we started off where we were passionate, where we had this passion, this intense emotion, compelling action, and we would describe ourselves as passionate people, passionate about Jesus, passionate about what we do. But we've drifted, and we're not in danger of ruining our life. We're not in danger of dying physically. We're not in physical danger, but we're in danger of looking back on our life and saying, what did I do with this? It was a waste because complacency will result in a meaningless life. Mediocrity and complacency will result in a life where you look back and says, where is the impact? But passion and intense emotion, compelling action will result in a meaningful life, in a life of impact, a life where you changed the world around you. you. Your sphere of influence was an impact into those around you. And that's where I'm getting at today. Some of us have drifted into complacency and we haven't even realized it because of the day-to-day because of the, what's right in front of us. We're focused on what's next. We're focused on doing. 
But without realizing it, we've drifted into complacency. We've drifted into this place where we're not passionate. Drifted into a place where we're just kind of okay with thing, how, the, how things are. So here's the main point today. Is that many people will waste their life in complacency because of the criticism that comes with passion. We're looking at a scripture where that, that's true. There's, there's criticism when it comes to passion. And passionate people will be criticized. People with passion make people of complacency uncomfortable. It's like, well, why, why can't you just be like me? You're setting the bar up here like, I'm not okay with that, and I'm going to dump some criticism on you. And then that makes us, one of them wins. And typically, the, the complacency drags the passionate down, not the other way around. Typically. Many people waste their life in complacency because of the criticism that comes with passion. And I believe this is buried beneath all those day-to-day things, all of what's next, of like, I got to accomplish this, I have this next, I have this next, I'm just doing, I'm just pressing repeat on the day. Buried beneath all of that stuff inside of every human is this gnawing desire to have passion. This gnawing desire to give ourselves to, to a cause. To give ourselves to a worthy cause, something that is worthy, something that will make an impact. We have a burning desire within us to actually make an impact, to do something that matters. And, and so many of us, that, that, that's deep down there, but complacency is over the top. It's buried so far deep. But I want to tell you that it's in everybody, and it's, the majority of us would say that maybe at one point we, we were there, but because of, because of the day-to-day, because of the criticism of others, we drifted into complacency. We become trapped by criticism. So what, is, what do I mean exactly? Gave the definitions, but here's what I believe p- passionate people do. People of passion, people out of passion for Jesus. It's the single mom who takes their kids, takes her kids with her to serve, to serve the homeless, serve the, the, those in need, to serve here on a team at church, and they bring her kids even despite her busy schedule. I believe it's the, the college student that despite the crazy schedule that they have and working multiple jobs, still finds time to mentor a junior high school student. You know why? Because he loves Jesus. Because he's passionate about Jesus. Because there's no other reason you want to hang around with a junior high student. Like, they smell like hot Cheetos and B.O. and Axe body spray. It's just, like, no other reason you want to hang around with him. Because you, but he does that because he loves Jesus. Makes time in his schedule to do that. It's the dad that demonstrates to his kids what true generosity means and what, what it means not to hold tightly but to live open-handedly and gives to the kingdom of God that tithes on his income and says, I'm giving 10% away to the kingdom of God so that people far from God can know him. And it's the grandma who knows Jesus as, since she was five years old and prays unceasingly for her kids and loves <laughs> abundantly for her kids and her grandkids. It's the employee that understands that She's not working for a person ultimately, but she's working for Jesus. That, that, that ultimately, she is a representation of Jesus. So she goes above and beyond. While all the other coworkers are right here, she's going above and beyond and making an example and showing passion, maybe making the complacent uncomfortable, but still showing passion. That's what passion does, because passion is not what you give. It's not describing, it's not, it's not saying this is what you give. You give passion to Jesus. But rather, it's the intensity. It's the, and it's the level of love. It's the level of devotion that you are giving to Jesus. And so, passion will compel you to do something 
something that is above and beyond, something that doesn't make sense, something that makes the complacent uncomfortable. As we saw that definition, it's, a, it's an intense emotion, compelling action. And when we, when we capture that, when we realize that, when we find that passion buried with, beneath us, then, then that will compel you to do something bold. It will compel you to do something beyond the norm. And so here's, here's where we're going with this. There's this story in John chapter 12. We're going to jump right in. And I believe someone here today is, has drifted into complacency, and we need to figure this out because we're looking back and saying, man, what impact have I made? What have I done? I don't want to live a complacent life if I'm doing a realistic evaluation of my life. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to have a mediocre life. I want to have a life of impact. I want to have purpose. I don't want to just get through life. I don't want to just survive, but I want to make impact. I want to live a life of passion. And I believe some, some here don't even realize it, and some here don't know what to do. And here's the greatest thing. We have this ultimate example, this story in Scripture where we see the most extravagant passion, this extravagant amount of love and devotion poured out, and we even see criticism come for that. So this is, the context is, is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were all siblings, and they all had Jesus over. And I was like, man, that would be cool if like me, my brother, and sister all had Jesus over at our house. It would probably go a lot different than this story. It would be really interesting. Jesus would have to break up some fights and stuff, but th- this is what happened. Mary, Martha, and Jesus had, or Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had Uh, Jesus over, and we see this story coming over for a meal. And so this is not long before Jesus comes and dies a sacrificial death on the cross and is resurrected for our atonement. And, and, but something unique happens in here that I want you to show. So John chapter 12, if you'd like, you can follow along on our YouVersion, on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, It's the most popular Bible app. If you just search Bible in the app store, it'll, it'll come up. And if you have that app already, you can go, you click on more, and then you click on events. And um, if you click on events, then you'll see Project Church will pop up. And if you click on, once you click on that, you can see, um, you can see all the notes that follow along, you know, all the passage and also some other links about our church that you can you check out. So we encourage you to do that. So I'm going to jump in, though, in John chapter 12. It'll be on the screen. Verse 1 says this, Six days before the Passover... Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Big deal. So they gave a dinner from him there. Mary served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he, who he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was the thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Y'all might know the story. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial, for the poor you will have, always have with you but you do not always have me. We just pray that God's word would speak to you today, would speak to us. Jesus, let that happen. Speak to us, God. The mighty, powerful word of God that is living and active, let it speak to us and change our heart and change our mindset and let passion be awoken in this place. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So Mary is a great example of choosing passion over complacency. When everyone else was complacent, she chose to, to break the bottle when she could have just gently dabbed it on. Now, I brought a little, little something because I like stuff. And um, so this is, this is an example of what it could have looked like. Um, and this, this jar represents that oil. And what it said was it's worth about the amount of a full year's salary. And it was like, this is worth a full year's salary. And what was typical is, is you would not dump the whole thing out. You would never dump the whole thing out, but rather you would maybe open it a little bit and then take a little something and just give it a little dab, just a little. And then someone would come over as a guest and you would just give them a little dab. And it was before the dab, you know, however you, you do that. It was before it was a thing, all right? And uh, you, you would just take a little dab and you would just, uh, and then that would be a huge blessing to someone. And what I feel like this represents of, of this to our, to our Christian culture is that so often our devotion to Jesus is in dabs. Is in, there's this whole container. There's this whole devotion container that's represented in us. And we chose just to get a little bit and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pray this week sometime. I'm probably going to open up my Bible. I'm probably going to, going to tell, encourage someone, you know, a little bit somewhere here. And what we do is we just get by with complacency. We get by just dabbing and just putting a little bit here, putting a little bit there. When we have this whole bottle of devotion, we have this whole bottle of anointing oil, this whole bottle of, of, uh, of oil that represents our devotion, and we're here just dabbing it. And the call for us is to to break the bottle. The call for us is to go above and beyond and pour the whole thing out. And even though it didn't make sense, she did that, and she she made the complacent uncomfortable. Here's three things that I believe. Three reasons why I believe we dab. Three reasons why I believe we we gently complacently give our devotion to Jesus. And, and the first thing is this, is we allow passion to erode over time. Because I look back at a time when I first gave my life to Jesus, when, I first, when it was new, when I, when I was 15 years old, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and I said, I'm going to live for you. Man, everything changed. I was, people, I got saved in the summertime. I went back to my sophomore year of high school, and people were like, dude, who, who are you? Because I was radically impacted by the love of Jesus. I felt like I was forgiven of so much. I realized I was forgiven of so much. And he made me new. And I wanted to give back because of because what he did, it made me realize that I'm going to, to, to pour out my passion to him. I see people finding Jesus in our church every single Sunday. And, be, and I see passion developed. And I see new people joining our team, new people starting to serve on our teams and they have more passion than the people that have already existed because it's fresh because they have just given their life to Jesus because they're experiencing this and they have passion but what we're finding is we we often allow passion to erode over time now Mary was really passionate and that showed in her actions and I think the a reason why is actually in scripture it said like I passed over it real quick like no big deal is that Jesus raised her brother, Lazarus, from the dead. He was dead four days and just called him up and said, hey, come on out of that grave. You, you have life again. Your body has life again. 
And, and because of that, because of what Jesus did for Mary, her passion, she was thankful. And she was pouring that passion back into Jesus because of what, what he did. So when you recognize what God has done in your life, you will pour out your love and devotion to him. When you recognize what he has done for you, because many of us have, for, have forgotten what Jesus has done for us. Man, we've, maybe some of us have been a Christian a long time in this room, and we say, man, we've, we've forgotten that Jesus has done the massive, massive blessing of forgiving us of our sin. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I look back and I say, man, all the stupid stuff I've done in my life, all the times I have hurt Jesus, all the times I've turned my back on him, all the times I've rebelled and, and gone and Jesus said, do this, and I did this, and it broke the heart of God, but he still forgives. Man, I'm, I'm, when I'm forgiven for, for much, I realize I need to be passionate about much. I realize I need to have that same level of passion and pour that devotion back to Jesus, pour that love back to, to Jesus in a way of passion. Many of us have forgotten what he's done for us, and we've allowed passion to erode over time. The second thing is this, is we fail to realize the value of Jesus. We don't realize, man, this is a big deal. They, they were all around, and around the table, around in the house, and Mary was the only one that captured the moment correctly. Martha was serving, Jesus was, or Lazarus was kicking back at the couch, and, and Mary decided to say, I'm going to pour out this love and devotion to you. She, she correctly interpreted the value of Jesus. Have you ever, like, had something that was worth way more than, it was worth way more to you than anyone else? When I was a kid, I had this, um, this Nesquik uh, container, and it was my piggy bank. And when I was about 21 or 22, I lived in South Sac, and our house got broken into and in that piggy bank was maybe like $20 and change. And I could tell you exactly what that piggy bank looked like. I could tell you that it had the yellow lid and there was this, this cutout in the back in the shape of like a pentagon because I was trying to, try, trying to do that. And it had this little cut on the side. And I could tell you on the front there was a yellow and a blue label. And, and that meant so much because I can't, I can't think of anything I've had longer in my life. But when I, my house got broken into, like the first time they saw my friend's, uh, my friend's telecaster guitar and his like jerseys but they stole my string cheese like my friends were like dude they took my guitar i'm like yeah well they took my string cheese how do you think i feel right now like who does that but anyways they also took man i was looking through and then i finally realized that they took that that piggy bank and it had maybe 20 dollars worth in there and what they didn't realize was that was way worth worth way more than 20 dollars that was way more than $2,000 to me because it was the, it was something I've had for all my life practically and probably the only thing I can, only physical thing I can think of that I had that long. And, and I think it's like that. Some people don't realize the value of certain things. Some people don't realize the value of Jesus when he's right in front of you. Just like the people who stole my bank, Judas, he didn't realize the value of the moment. He didn't realize the value of, the, of, of what it meant just to pour out devotion, to pour to serve Jesus, to pour out this love and say, Jesus, you're worth a whole year's salary. I'm not just going to dab this. I'm going to break the bottle and pour it all out. Often, unfortunately, I can relate to Judas more than Mary. I'm just being real with you. Often, I, I, I'm the one thinking too pragmatically. I'm the one thinking like, no, look, you could... You could sell this. Why would you do that? It's, it's just give him a little bit and then go sell it. And we could even give it to the poor. Go, you, it could have a better return. 
if we do that. But see, in Philippians 3, Paul reverses this, this way of thinking. He says, but whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, and I, I like this, this quote from the book we're reading. He says, Paul spent his life accumulating what he imagined was personally earned righteousness. He was saying, man, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to gain personally earned righteousness that would achieve salvation. But when he met Christ, he realized that all those things were actually in the lost column. He says, man, these, these are all gains. But actually, those were in loss. But the ultimate gain is just knowing Christ, is just having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the biggest gain there is. And Mary correctly realized that. Mary realized that, that she's putting her devotion and love because that is, the, that is worth the most. And Jesus said, I'm not always going to be here. Mary has done what is right. I mentioned that earlier that we have this innate desire to give ourselves to something. We have this desire just to, to, to be passionate about something. And some of us have given our passion. We've poured this out onto other things. While hobbies are good, while we need recreation, while we need outputs in our, in our life where we, that we have just to, to enjoy life. But I believe some of us have poured this, this love and devotion into other things and left, left Jesus with the dabs. And we've poured it all out on other things, on our hobbies, whatever we may be be encouraged to do whatever we may find ourselves doing, which is good to be passionate about other things, but not if it's more passionate than we're giving to Jesus. See, Jesus needs to be number one in our life. And we do this because we're not realizing the value of Jesus. He's right there. And we're saying, no, 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 these hobbies are more important. No, 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 this is more important. But we're not realizing the value of Jesus that's right in front of us. Last thing is this, is we think too pragmatically. We're not, we drift into complacency because we, we think too pragmatically. We, we're too practical with things. And myself, extremely included, I'm a very pragmatic thinker. I'm continually thinking how I can be the most efficient with my time and energy and resources. How can I be most efficient with my time, energy, and resources? And I believe many of us are like this too. And we do this. We say, hey, wait, that doesn't add up. Many of us like Judas say, wait, wait you can get a better return on your investment right here. Like, why would you pour that out all on Jesus' feet? Why would you, that, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, maybe, maybe just pour a quarter of it out. Maybe just pour, like, a cup of it out. Like, you don't need to pour that whole thing out. That doesn't make sense. But, but see, here's, here's where we don't make, it, it doesn't, doesn't work out. We don't factor in the beauty of Jesus. We don't factor in the, the beauty of pouring our love out to Jesus. A quote from the book, it says this, we want to realize an immediate return from whatever we invest in. And that's just, like I said, I'm a practical thinker. That's me. But beauty does not fit in within that framework. And I believe, Craig, we got the slide for that. Beauty does not fit in within the, that framework. The beauty of uncalculating generosity is not to be measured by the yardstick of utility. See, that, that doesn't add up. We, we can't fit this into our fact. There's no equation to calculate how the return that's going to be. There's no equation to factor in our return on our investment, but it's a calling that we have. She poured it all out because she cared. She, she poured it all out because she realized the value of Jesus and she wasn't thinking too pragmatically. She wasn't thinking just what can I get on in return from this, but she realized the beauty of the moment. 
And so what God is calling us to do is break this bottle. God is calling us not to, not to simply take a dab here, not to simply, simply move in, in, a, in a complacent way and just say, hey, I'm going to be okay with mediocrity and not just say, I'm giving my devotion here to Jesus. I'm, and I'm going to church. I'm, I'm at church, right? Why are you yelling at me, pastor? I'm here at church. But I believe so much we can, we can drift into this, this complacent area in our life, just like I was drifting off. And we didn't even realize that. And I believe someone here today, I don't care if it's one person, but I was praying that I felt prompted today to say someone needs a wake-up call today. Someone needs a wake-up call because we drifted into complacency when we used to be passionate. We've drifted into complacency when we used to have this intense emotion, compelling action. And that action was pouring out our love to Jesus. So my question is, is how is God calling you to break this bottle? Like, what does that look like for you? Like, it'll look like different for, I'm, I'm not going to spell out exactly what that looks like for each one of us, but what does that mean today to break this bottle and say, I'm pouring this all out to Jesus. There's no, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not going to, you know, meticulously pour this out to Jesus, but I'm giving him everything. I'm giving him my love and devotion. I'm living a life of passion that's going to impact this world. What does that look like to you? Is that your time? Maybe you need to invest in a, the next generation. Maybe you need to serve on a team here. Maybe you, it doesn't have to be here. Maybe you need to just serve your neighbor, your community. Maybe you just need to serve those around you. Maybe you need to serve your coworkers. Maybe some of us, got this, this represents our resources. This represents our finances. And God's calling you to give something incredibly generous to someone. I don't even care if it's through the church. It's calling us to, to donate a, a vehicle to someone that needs it more than you some radical generosity, not just these little dabs. I believe God will call us to do irrational things at times. Not saying don't use wisdom, but Mary, this is scripturally, she, she poured out everything she had because it was, because it was, because she loved Jesus. Or maybe it's our attention. Maybe this, this represents our attention. And instead of, instead of focusing, instead of what turn, instead of watching the late night TV, we turn that off and we say, I'm going to spend time just in at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, asking him to, to fill my life more, spending time to know my Savior. Maybe that represents your attention. Maybe it represents your time. Maybe it represents your resources. But I believe we're all called to, to, to take this, this bottle and not just dab it, not just, not just put it a little bit, but we're called to break the bottle. And let that pour out on the feet of Jesus. Let that pour out and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm not going back. I can't go back from that. The bottle's broke. I'm giving you everything. And I believe some of us here today are called to do that. Some of us here know that's us. Know that God's speaking to you today. I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Would you, would you just do me a huge favor? Would you uh, bow your head in this place?